For more information, visit futurebased.org. Follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn or Twitter or join our community on Telegram or meetup.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Human Relations series of the Future Based Podcast with me, your host, Chetna Pai. Today I will be in conversation with Klaas Kautenbrauer about his project, the ZOOP project. Klaas is a senior researcher in digital culture at Het New Institute in Rotterdam and teaches theory at the Gerrit Rietveld and other academies. Since the late 1990s, he has worked at the intersections of art, design, technology, and ecology. He researches, curates, and lectures in themes at the touch points of these fields. A consistent element in his work is the intersection of different knowledge practices, technological, artistic, legal, organizational, scientific, and more than human. In recent years, he curated, among other programs, Garden of Machines in 2015, Gardening Mars in 2017, Bot Club and the Newhouse Temporary Academy for More Than Human Knowledge in 2019, and he co-edits the Vertical Atlas, and in 2019, he initiated the ZOA project that we will be talking to him about today. Hi, class. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. Yes. Fantastic to be here. Amazing. So just to get started, I guess the best way would be to get you to tell us a little bit more about the ZOA project so our listeners have a bit of context as we continue mm-hmm. with this conversation. Yeah. So the ZOA is an organizational practice, actually, a governance model as well as a kind of a way of working that any organization can adopt, at least in principle. In practice, it's probably harder for some than for others, but in, in principle, it's open to any organization. Basically, you do two things as a ZOOP. First is you make the voices of non-human life heard on the level of policymaking of your organization. So you really include a human person, which is a representative of the Zoonomic Foundation. It's actually a, a delegation of the, of the body that has a foundation that has said, we want to represent the interests of non-human life an organization so a delegate of that organization you give a board observer seat in your organization and this person is an expert on all matters that have to do with ecological regeneration and then in practice what you do is you go through a yearly cycle of four steps in which you from your from your starting point basically yeah step by step move towards greater ecological integrity transform your practice from the current state into one that is ecologically rege- regenerative in a way the ground end goal of zoops is to yeah to realize together yeah what you could call a regenerative economy in opposition to where we are today okay nice that's really interesting so you think that this regenerative economy can be achieved by bringing non-humans into the decision-making process. In a way, the, the root cause of where we are in our economic system is that we somehow consider the world of humans to be a different world than the world of non-humans. That nature is out there and we can take from it what we need and we can dump what we don't want anymore and to make sure that we have a good life as humans. And A, the assumption that these are two different worlds is clearly wrong. And B, also, um, so that's a philosophical concern. And B, you really see where this has uh, yeah, got us. We're in uh, rather complicated trouble right now. So the Zoop model tries to address these two concerns. Basically, A, to say, well, what we have to learn is to learn to collaborate. It's not all about human entitlement anymore. That's we have to find a way to live in this planet together so also include yeah the interests of non-human lives in a way but politically and organizationally and we really make hard work of ecological regeneration what the zoop works on is not the 
ecology that is maybe the ecology of the traditional environmental movement, because it's an ecology that includes humans. For, for Zoop, we really have to step beyond these separations. I really like that idea that we are not, we shouldn't see ourselves as a separate world and kind of see it as one system and that we have to bring it back to one system. And I think that that really nice idea and theory. Mm -hmm. One, I guess, slightly specific question is, you talk about non-human life, but I wanted to know for this project, how much do you consider under it? Is it things that are alive? Uh, are rivers considered alive in that sense? And how do you kind of decide what comes under this? In New Zealand, the uh, Wanganui River is the living ancestor of the Wanganui Iwi. And Iwi is kind okay. of one, is a people of the Mary. The Mary is mm -hmm. the, the indigenous people population of, of uh, New Zealand. And they are divided in iwis that are tribes that live in different places. And all of them have their own living ancestors. So Mount Taranaki is also the living ancestor of another iwi. And Te Uruwera Forest, is the same, is also the ancestor. So okay. in this particular uh, worldview, these are already people. And so what you could see, what you could say, what the law has done is acknowledge this indigenous um, worldview and kind mm -hmm. of articulate it in the language of the law. Or you could say from the other perspective that it uh, Mary's managed to articulate their own culture in the language of the Anglo-Saxon law. So it's a kind of hybrid form that we now see, which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah makes sense. So, but Zoop is not about actually granting rights. It's actually treating non-humans as though they already have these rights. Mm -hmm. In a way, the granting in our case is not so much. And in a way, the ZOOP has been designed to work in a context where we don't have an indigenous culture for which non-humans are already p people. But uh, yeah, we find a way to make it work from where we are. I think that's also quite an interesting thing that I hadn't thought about, that laws are very Anglo-Saxon and that's a specific language that exists in many countries right now. Well, yeah, in New Zealand, uh, this used to be part of yeah. the British Commonwealth, the, uh, the law system is derived from the Anglo-Saxon practice. In, in uh, European law is slightly different, continental mm -hmm. law, but let's say culturally what they share is very much that yeah, the separation that non-humans don't have rights yeah they're not even yeah their resources yeah. their stuff they're not even alive even in india we have anglo-saxon derived law for the same reason where i'm from so mm -hmm. it really resonates for that reason mm -hmm. definitely so in the beginning you mentioned how the zoop framework can kind of be put into any organization to make it yeah. engage more and i think that that's quite cool because it doesn't restrict it only to organizations that already work in the space of sustainability and things like that so it's a broader a different approach to this idea um in what exactly. kind yeah. of maybe fields do you see it working more or where do you think it's a good place to start yeah that's a very nice question so in a way you should see becoming a soap as a kind of starting a learning process so as i said i think already is it's very important that it's inclusive that you can start from where you are you don't have to first become something before you can become a soap the basic is to commit yourself to yeah to this learning process of working out how to do economy in a regenerative way okay if you become a zoop then you begin to count non-human bodies as something that you also have responsibility for as organization and then once you do that you will immediately see that they don't tend to stick to your yeah, cadastral edge like okay so this is my land and so these are our trees or these are our yeah. insects and they are there that's their insects of course that's insects don't uh, have stick to the cadaster, <laughs> nor do birds, nor do most uh, pollen and, and other things. So by becoming a zoop, your sphere of responsibility also expands with where the non-humans that are part of your zoop, like where they lead their lives, where their quality of life is involved. So 
you immediately also begin to see how the relation with the surrounding affects your yeah your your operation but so it start it's it's handy to start with something that is very concrete and material around you it helps to have land or to have agency yeah. over land so it's it's handy to be uh, a farm <laughs> for farms it would work yeah. uh, but for my organization at New Institute, it also makes a lot of sense because we have a garden, we have two ponds and we are across a big city park. So yeah, the non-humans of the zo of, of Zoop at New Institute, yeah, we know where they live and there's exchange between the birds and the trees and the insects and the pollen, etc. And the museum park touches on an even bigger park further away. Yeah, and that's where... Yeah, so imagine that we would make um, a museum park honey. We know where these bees yeah. would go. Um, and they're not, they definitely won't stick to what new institute. So <laughs> land is an important, it's a helpful condition. But as we progress, as more and more organizations have become zoops and have found ways to do it, <coughs> you can imagine that at some point it's not necessarily to go through the first stages of the learning process. And to, yeah, even if you're a kind of distributed organization over the yeah. world, but actually not even an office space, uh, but yeah, a set of clients then it's yeah you can also think of ways to start from there but at this moment we're not there but you can imagine yeah. that this would become a possibility i think it's really quite a moment it would be for a company to first of all notice if there are non-humans in their space and to acknowledge that there are or there aren't and what that would mean as well because i think if you're on a farm or an outside space at least it's a little more obvious that there are non-humans, but I think it would also be quite interesting as this progresses to see, especially in things that are based more in cities, if it's kind of strange to realize that there are no non-humans or what the non-humans would be like and what it counts in that space. So I think that that mm -hmm. would also be really interesting exploration for an organization to become more mindful of what it really means to exist for them. Yeah, that, now you, you nail it on the head. That's exactly how it starts. A lot of organizations, of course, have a sustainability policy already. Yeah, but a lot of sustainability policy works from the assumption that this is the world of humans and that is the world of non-humans. So if we do our stuff right enough, if we recycle everything, then yeah. we don't touch the world of the non-humans. So you're in a way looking for a reduction of human impact, whereas a ZOOP says, no, we're in the same world and we have to take a responsibility. So in a way, you're looking for a maximization of human impact. Let's say the sustainability practice offers an entry point, but the fact that these are non-human bodies and you have to learn to collaborate is a really different approach than most sustainability practices. Yeah, yeah and just the lack of collaboration as a concept in them, I think, makes people exactly. feel very disconnected and it's much easier to get jaded with this idea of sustainability and recycling because it's such a distant thing like what the impacts of this are and kind of making it a very local thing to be like it's not about saving people or animals in some other part of the world by some kind of complicated system but it's just about nurturing and collaborating with things around you which i think is a great just worldview <laughs> to get people into yeah. sustainability yeah. as well yeah. but then again of course yeah, there's a lot of uh, sustainability practice that we can learn from and that we can work yeah. with. But the fundamental attitude should not be disconnect from the non-human world, but to connect as much as possible, but in a regenerative way. I guess the next thing I would like to get into is really kind of moving into the ZOOP framework itself in more detail. So what do you need to become a framework? What does it mean not to become a framework, but to become a ZOOP or apply this framework? Basically two things. It's first is you include this delegate of the zoonomic foundation as a board observer. And we call this person a, uh, a speaker for the living. 
So, because this literally what this person does, it speaks for the living world. You give this person a very particular, but also rather important place in your organization, make sure that whatever you decide really becomes policy. That's the only reason that this person is there, that is on the board level. So it's not some kind of agenda point of some department of your organization that can be maybe in difficult times will be juggled away because now we have other priorities. No, it's always at the heart of your organization. It's always in the decision-making process. It's at the, the perspective of non-humans is involved. So that's why this person is there. But then what an organization does, of course, yeah, has to come from the organization. That's the other bit, condition of becoming a zoop, is that you follow this uh, zoonomic year cycle. In, in a certain way, it's a very open process, but it's basically asking yourself four questions every year. And the first is always like, what are the bodies that together form the zoop? And these are the non-human bodies, the trees, the insects, but also legal bodies that uh, regulate what you can and cannot do, but also maybe contractors, and but also... Uh, the buildings and the fences and all, all the yeah. all these are bodies. So that's like basically who are we talking about? The second question is like how do their life worlds relate to each other? This is it's not only animals that have life worlds. All bodies have life worlds. All bodies respond to certain signals. For all bodies, a regulatory body responds to certain signals. A company responds to certain signals and not to others. So what you do as a zoop, you figure out how these bodies can see each other. So is it possible for your financial department to actually account for the trees in your in your garden? The third question is then actually figure out how they support each other or not. It's kind of a health diagnosis. Uh, how is the soil life? Does it support plant life? Does it that they support insects and birds, etc.? But also uh, how do humans support this non-human life? But also how do the garden maybe how does the garden contribute to the quality of the organization as a whole? On the other hand, of course, also all the obstructive relations. Like okay, so we have uh, intense lights that uh, have supposedly provide security at night for humans in the garden, but also make it a very unwelcome place for uh, hedgehogs and maybe other animals that prefer the dark, for instance. So you figure out these uh, both supportive and obstructive relations. And then the second question, like this life world question, how do they, how can these bodies perceive each other? How do they, can they support each other? Provide a set of possible interventions. And as a zoop, you commit every year to perform a couple of these interventions. And they then come down to either allow for better perception or for better support. And together, these uh, interventions basically lead to greater ecological integrity. I think that I think, yeah, I, I think I understand this a lot better now. And I think that that was really useful, especially the idea of perceiving how they perceive each other. And I think that that's a big thing to get into even before supporting sometimes is first understanding what is the relationship and what is the perception and do they perceive each other so I think even just getting there is a big step. By asking these questions you find out all kinds of things that for instance a regulatory body like I don't know permissions of a of a, of a municipality before what you cannot talk to a regulatory body so they have a very kind of strong presence in your zone yeah. they tell you that, that this is what you can and this is what you cannot do but you can't talk back you have to <laughs> talk to the body that issued the regulatory body yeah. so and actually through this perception question you also all kinds of the political moves that you have to make really come very clear in the picture so it's um and the, the goal to do it like this to call all these bodies bodies right, is also to make them uh, on some level part of the same they're all the same yeah. so they're all present as forces in the in the zoop so that you don't make the assumption that equality is only about the non-humans, but it actually 
yeah, the permissions of the municipality have a direct impact on quality of life and they're not a different world and it's not a different yeah. department that has to deal with it it's as a whole all that is your concern and this is also the only way to uh, to understand or to work with something like ecological integrity yeah i think that's that's a really nice way to look at it that there's nothing outside ecology and it's a nice reminder that <laughs> exactly yeah i had a question actually about the representative themselves mm-hmm. for, for the non-human life how do you maybe train someone to have the kind of empathy or how do you develop this empathy for non-humans to be able to represent them in a space, especially against mm-hmm. a lot of people who do have agendas and who maybe don't want to make changes that easily to their own thing? And how do you... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, the model as we propose it or the way of working that basically makes an organization choose to have a representative in their board. It means the organization has to want this. Eh? I mean, there's no way... Only a board can decide this against the will of the rest of the... It won't work. There's no way. So because it's also quite a radical move in a way, this ensures the real intrinsic motivation of of the organization. And because there is such a big intrinsic motivation, also, let's say, the police role of this person is not that... is not its dominant role. Because actually, as soon as you have to think of policing, it's actually... You're not going in the right direction. If I think back of my own childhood, this treatment of non-human life as equal is actually comes naturally it's not it's it's not something that kids have to be learned it's quite actually you unlearn it rather than that you it's very good to realize this that you can actually tap back into something that you that everybody remembers it's not Mm -hmm. it's not fundamental new the problem is the way our systems are organized and to had to build it into our way of working which is organized around a different logic and and yeah there are different let's say the assumption that it's hard to learn itself is a way of a uh, stems from this idea that we are different from the non-humans yeah. fundamentally. And if you think back that, no, well, it's about food, it's about shelter, it's about being able to procreate, having a, a healthy living environment. A lot of the things that humans and non-humans need are actually quite similar. And it yes. starts with that assumption. It's, we're not that fundamentally different. It actually does not begin with philosophy. It begins with something very fundamental. It begins with solidarity and empathy. But then okay, in order to, let's say, make it work, then you have a lot of complicated issues. And then, mm-hmm. and then you need all kinds of different expertises from ecologists that know what certain non-human bodies find important. But like I said, it can also be a lawyer that you need some to yeah, figure out how to break open a contract. The, the attitude, the basic attitude that we have to learn to collaborate is the most important thing. And, and for the rest, it's really doing, practicing this. And it gets, yeah, everybody makes mistakes. This is not forbidden. We, uh, it's really, we realize this is a learning process. It's not something we can just say, it has to be like this and we agree and then we're there. No. Yeah. We, it, we're still very much at the beginning. And this is, in a way, the core of the, of the SOA practice. It's a way of working. But it's a very good question. Like actually always when I speak to people that seem to resonate with the idea, it's one of the things that I ask myself, like could this, the, could this person be an, a, a good speaker for the living at some organization? Yeah. yeah. And then take over the world slowly. Yeah, in the, indeed. Trans, yeah, world domination. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's world transformation yeah. rather than domination. Yeah, world yeah. transformation. Yeah. yeah, so you mentioned that there already are a few existing ops that are running right now. So maybe if you tell us a little about them and yeah. learnings from them, 
Yeah. Well, formally, I have to say they're not yet ZOOPs. The okay. first actual ZOOP will be formed in uh, the beginning of next year, on April okay. 2022. That will be at Nieuwe Institute. On Earth yes. Day, very happy with that. But there are already 20 organizations that kind of practice this model. But yeah, for instance, het Nieuwe Instituut is, the, is, I think, very interesting as a cultural institution in an urban green zone. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because let's say from the perspective of being a cultural institution, you can, and we've, we felt, so now I'm talking of Het Nieuwe Instituut, we felt it's also important to not only think about things, how things could be done differently, but to actually test them out, to actually bring them in practice. And this is a kind of, in a certain way, a role that cultural organizations have in society at large. It's like, it's in a way, yeah, the forefront of new ideas and new practices that then get slowly adopted by other organizations. And we want to make this very much our core practice. So our new director, Eric Chen, he said like, no, a new institute should be a test bed. It's not just about, let's say, developing theory or critique in theory, really adopt the practice, eh? walk the talk. Yeah, this I find it fantastic that a new institute wants to take up this role and really be serious about it. So I already, already mentioned farms also. There's actually a couple of farms and farm organizations that are protozoops. There's um, Keningshof in Friesland. That's a, a, a cultural organization working with the landscape That is itself a collaboration between also a lot of farmers and they want to, they have articulated the goal to regenerate thousand hectares of Friesland in the next 10 years by using the ZOOP model. Mm, that's very cool. A very yeah, beautiful example is the boerderij Bodemzicht outside uh, Nijmegen. That's a regenerative farm. That, but this is a farm that started on yeah, very degraded farmland uh, two and a half years ago, which were, yeah, had very little organic matter left. Uh, all the plants only grew on, on mm. um, uh, chemical fertilizer and, uh, yeah, and pesticides, etc. So it it's, was really in a bad place. But yeah, two years later now, they've, it's really amazing. They've done several things. They're really kind of regenerating the large acreage, kind of using chickens in the way that usually cow, herds of cows perform a role, mm. but it's too small to have a real herd of cows. So they do this with chickens. It really works well. So you can see everywhere they... They kind of put up their chicken community for six weeks. You see how that has regenerated the land, how the grasses are now one and a half meters tall, how the soil is more airy and more humid and how all kinds of insects are coming back. So it's really fantastic to see. But they also, they started a, um, a no-dig garden. That's, a, mm -hmm. that's the permaculture technique. But what they've added to that is also a really beautiful way to kickstart the soil ecosystem. Because as you maybe know, in a way, at least on land, everything starts with soil. Yeah. Soil takes care of plants, plants do the insects, take care of the birds, and then you have the, the whole food web starts yeah. with soil, healthy soil. So a very interesting and very simple way to start with, like with, with degraded soil and to, to bring it back to life is to, for instance, take a bucket of forest soil and to wash it out in water, to mix it with water, and then this water you can spread out over your own soil of your degraded soil. Mm -hmm. And what, because what happens is that in, in, a, in a, let's say, a fully fledged 
ecosystem like a forest that has been has had um, undisturbed soil for let's say 100 years and that's where the mycelia networks the, the fungi are really best developed because every time you turn soil basically you break the network so undisturbed soil has enormous variety enormous density of uh, mycelia networks so by washing that soil out in water you all the spores all those mm. uh, mycelia uh, uh, species basically are in the water and if you spread this out over the land you bring it a variety of soil life that usually takes yeah 50 years to develop and you bring it in one go so that's that's bodemzicht another very nice example is uh, uh, university college utrecht which is mm-hmm. um, yeah a part of the university of utrecht with a big campus what they've done is uh, set up a student-led curriculum around zoop so basically being a zoop and following this curriculum uh, or being a protozoop in their case, hey, could be not, formally they're not zoops yet. Being a protozoop at form, following this curriculum makes them also go through this cycle every year and and figure out ways to yeah to bring more regenerative practice to their campus. And what is very interesting of, of having such a fantastic educational institution in your network is that students graduate that have followed the zoop curriculum and are then fantastic interns to have in other organizations which want to become zoops so yeah one of my own interns is or actually the the, the only intern i have right now studied at ucu but there's Mm. also another organization in amsterdam that also has an intern from ucu so that's amazing okay to finish a last question a little bit which is kind of an open question you can see how you want to answer it but it's just what does your ideal zoop look like or what do you hope this could grow into? The first question I have to answer, there is no ideal zoop. Actually, it's the other, the opposite is almost true. Any zoop is an ideal zoop. Zoop is ideal, and but basically it should be really open to any kind of organization. So yeah. I would shoot the zoop movement in the foot by saying, well, that's <laughs> the ideal zoop. Another way of answering it, it would, would be... The end goal is to yeah, have realized something that you justifiably can call a regenerative economy. A zoop that really has no idea anymore how they f- can further improve their practices is an ideal zoop, but for, that will be a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I really f- lost for ideas. That would be an ideal situation. Yeah, but now yeah, I've answered the other question as well. Where do you see this going? So, yeah, yeah I see, uh, let's say, in a way, I feel the beginning is the hardest yeah, to. To really do, let's say, if we start and we fail in the beginning, then everything is lost. So yeah. um, we have to really set this up in a very careful and robust and also enthusiastic and open. And yeah, all those values are important and collaborative and all these things are essential. I have a very good feeling about this. And yeah, the people, the network that has already come into existence is fantastic. So it's, it's I, I really see it take off. And I have the feeling it will get easier the longer we do it, as I said, because kind of every zoop that is the first zoop of its kind will make it easier for the next zoop of that kind to become a zoop. So yeah. what can go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, okay. but uh, the, let's okay. I'll, I'll maybe this sounds a little bit uh, let's say overly optimistic. I think the real problems, the real issues, will be in how to change the really ingrained practices. The all systems are all. Lot, in everywhere, in our legal, in our economic system, in our industrial policy, in our infrastructure, in our the way cities are organized, everywhere is it's built on this division between 
the humans in the non-human world and all laws are supported and it's so there's a lot of highly detailed highly precise highly complex issues to yeah to work on but uh, again i do have good hopes that this is a very let's say it's a very helpful project in the larger scale of things and it i do think we can make an important kind of difference yeah i'm i'm sure i think this is a really interesting very cool movement that i will follow more closely now that i know more about it as well so i'm quite excited fantastic uh, yeah i think you have an open question for our listeners so maybe if you could ask this question just so that they can also have something to think about further yeah actually one thing before because you actually alluded to it if you would like to follow the zoop project go to zoop zoop.hetnieuweinstituut.nl that's our website and on the front page you can also register for the newsletter so we're yeah would be fantastic if you join up and uh, yeah follow us and then maybe yeah, talk about it with your own organizations and figure out how you can become a zoop that's the whole point and then yeah my open question is yeah the one i've in a way been asking all the time what would it really look like if economy was regenerative if economy was part of the living of the network of living things and not destroy not eating it away but imagine where what you could do if you're then if your let's say your organization is successful in that way and so you don't have to worry anymore about how your economy eats away quality of life for non-humans but actually by doing it in such a way that you yeah really support the living world in all its facets also yeah that's a great question thank you so much if you listen to our previous podcast you might know that we have a mural board with the open questions from our episodes on it so feel free to leave your thoughts and you can start a discussion there's also space to leave images and anything else so we'd love to hear your thoughts on this open question so we can all have a nice discussion about it and thank you for sharing the contact information as well i guess if people want to know more they can also contact you and if they want to join or set their own organization up then they can contact as well so that's great i really hope more people get involved thank you very much hope you enjoyed this and uh, yeah fant- again fantastic that uh, you're interested in so- you and i'm talking to you now yeah. uh, 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 interested in the SOA project and uh, you wanted to talk about it like this so it uh... yeah thanks so much for more information links and show notes or to join our mural board visit futurebased.org